Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays. Yes, please be seated. Our reading this morning is from Psalms. If any of the younger ones want to follow in the Bibles, then if you turn to the middle of the Bible, you'll probably come to Psalms. So it's Psalm chapter 2, and this can be found on page 543 in the Bibles that you have. So Psalm 2. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The one enthroned in heaven laughs the Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them with them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance the ends of the earth, your possession. You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. Therefore, you kings, be wise, be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his rule with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction for his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Sue. Hello, everyone. My name's Matthew. It's good to be with you this morning. Um, I hope that uh, as I speak for about 15 minutes, you might be able to follow along with me, but if you want to have a delve into your buckets at this point, that's absolutely fine, or, or any books that you may have grabbed. I want to start with, uh, with a couple of road signs for you, test your road sign knowledge. Um, what does that road sign mean? No U-turns. You are not allowed to turn around in the road at this point. But what does that road sign mean? You are allowed to turn around. This is a designated U-turn spot. This is a place where you can do a U-turn if you'd like to. Today, we're going to see a place where you can do a U-turn if you would like to. Don't worry, we'll make sense in a bit. Don't worry. (laughs) Next, think about this. People are naturally rebellious to the authorities over them. We are naturally rebellious to the authorities over us. We don't like being told what to do. Children, do you like it when your parents tell you to do something? Eat your vegetables. Do you like it? At school, do you like it when teachers tell you what to do? Stop talking and do your work. We just, we kick against it, don't we? At work, grown-ups, They are our bosses, yet we really don't like it when they tell us how to do our job, do they? Or the government, 
or traffic wardens or whoever. We just by nature kick against those who tell us how to live. Well, today we'll see that it happens with God too. Our default is to be rebellious. We don't want him telling us what to do. We don't want him saying we have to submit to Jesus. But also today, we'll see that we're given an opportunity to turn around, to gladly submit to Jesus, his son, the king through whom God chooses to rule the world. So this psalm today, it is a designated U-turn spot. Psalm 2 then, this is one of Israel's ancient hymns, and we'll have four simple points, one from each paragraph. And the first one's this, human rebellion, human rebellion. Why do the nations conspire and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, let us break their chains and throw off their shackles. The picture here is of people plotting against the king that God has put over Israel. That's what the anointed one, his anointed, means the king God has chosen. And maybe these people who are plotting are people from within Israel and they don't want him as king. Or maybe they're foreigners from outside, kings of other nations. And either way, they don't like God's king. Verse 3 actually sounds quite positive though if you look at it, doesn't it? It's good to break free of chains and shackles, isn't it? They feel oppressed and, and they want to be free. Well, this is a picture of the rebellion in all of our hearts. We share that basic human nature, don't we? You can, um, you can see things in all of us. You see them in just little children, don't you? Uh, things that we all share from getting hungry, getting tired, needing love. But also, we want to be in charge. It's in us all from a very early age, isn't it? Very quickly, we learn to say, no. And we learn to say, that's mine. Because it's in our nature. Well, all people by nature are rebellious against authorities over us. But most of all, against God and against Jesus. We don't want him ruling over our lives. We make it sound like a positive thing as well. We're striving for freedom. We're being our own person. I did it my way. Do you see it in yourself? Do you see that resistance? Do we like the idea of there being a God who, who rules over us, sets the rules for how we live? Or the idea of there being a king, Jesus, who expects us to follow his way? Him being the only saviour, naturally these things grate against us, don't they? Because our hearts by default go to rebellion. So this is our first point, human rebellion. And we need to understand ourselves. We need to see ourselves clearly because self-deception does no one any good at all. 
Next then, verses 4 to 6. God's ridicule. God's ridicule. Human rebellion is laughable to God, but also very serious. Verse 4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. He rebukes them in his anger and terrifies them in his wrath, saying, I have installed my king on Zion, my holy mountain. He laughs because human rebellion is crazy. It won't possibly work. You can't overthrow God. You can't overthrow the king that God has put in place and has chosen to rule through. He says, I have installed my king in Zion. Trying to overthrow him is like as if I went out here and I went out onto the drive and I tried to pull down the big tree. I can't do it. And you'd rightly laugh at me for trying. But this isn't actually the jolly laugh maybe of an older man watching a toddler pushing the boundaries. This is the kind of laughing that is the first reaction of an angry rebuke. Do you know that kind of laughing? Because this is not trivial. This is the defiance of the creator God and the king through whom he chooses to rule. This is treason. This is insurrection, rebellion. Compare how we see what we're doing with how God sees what we're doing. When we say, I don't want Jesus to be in charge of my life, or or not all of it. When we say, I don't like Jesus' rules, I want to be free. People around us might commend us for striving for freedom. Be your own self. But God doesn't take it lightly. It's laughable, but also very, very serious. We're probably a little too gentle on ourselves sometimes, aren't we? Maybe because we know that grace is available, and it will be by the end of the psalm. But we should not be gentle about our sin. We need to have eyes open to it. Next, verses 7 to 9. After God's ridicule, God's relationship. We've seen what the, uh, what the people say. We've seen what God says. And now we see what the psalmist, the king himself says. And he proclaims the promise He received from God the promise of a relationship. The king gets to have a father-son relationship with God. Look at verse 7. I will proclaim the Lord's decree. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have become your father. Ask me and I will make the nations your inheritance, the ends of the earth your possession." You will break them with a rod of iron. You will dash them to pieces like pottery. The king, who is put in place by God, gets to have a father-son relationship with him. 
Who would you like to suddenly say, I'm going to treat you as my child? My dad, he's a great guy. He worked for a bus company. So as a kid, we had lots of trips on buses. Catherine's dad, he's a great guy too. He worked for Mars. And so in their fridge, the bottom drawer was always full of chocolate bars. Who would you choose? <laughs> or someone else. Who else would you like to treat you as their child? Jeff Bezos, one of the richest men in the world. You'd have a well-off life, wouldn't you? Or King Charles, you'd get treated well by everyone. What if God said he was going to treat you like his son? Because that's what he says he'll do for the king of Israel. So he gets put in this very special place. Look at verse 8. He has special access to God. He can ask for big things. And he'll be given a great inheritance. All those nations will come under his rule. He'll be given that by God. And verse 9, he gets to exercise the judgment of God. This is remarkable, isn't it? And what it means is if you're thinking about rebelling against the king... That's a big deal. You're not just plotting against him, but also God the Father. Now look, this was first about King David. You know King David in the Old Testament? This was first about him, and then it was about his sons who became king after him, so Solomon was next. But this grand status of the king, ruling as the son of God, it, it never took off, it never lasted so in the Bible story, we're looking out for the next king, the next son of God. And 1,000 years after David, Jesus comes along in the Bible story. And we start to see someone who did look like this. Because Jesus wasn't just treated like a son of God. He really was the son of God. Remember his baptism? That voice that spoke from heaven, it said, You are my son, whom I love. And at his transfiguration, appearing in his glory, the voice again spoke from heaven, This is my son, whom I love. Now they did plot against him, didn't they? They even killed him. The purest form of sin, taking the opportunity to be free of God's king, free of God's son. They killed him. But he didn't stay dead. He rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and he sat down on a throne at the right hand of the Father. And the apostles in Acts, they quote this very psalm about Jesus saying that he is now the king who rules the world. We can't actually see him reigning though, can we? That will come at the end. And so in Revelation, this psalm is quoted again and again to describe Jesus in his full glory established as the king over all. So do you see what this is all about? God chooses to rule the world through a king who he will treat like his son. 
And that's fulfilled in Jesus, who really is his son. And so now, after dying and rising, Jesus rules the world on behalf of his Father. This psalm, and all the psalms we'll see this summer, are all about Jesus. And it makes you think then, doesn't it? Because sin we see is all about Jesus. We sin in lots of different ways, don't we? We do lots of bad things, but the the central thing of sin, the purest form of sin, is how we respond to Jesus. Do we want him as king in our lives? Sin's all about Jesus, but salvation is all about Jesus as well, isn't it? Because we can turn to him and be forgiven. So we come back now to the end of the psalm and to the human response, verses 10 and 12, the human response. And the question here is, are you sure you want to carry on in rebellion against this king, given everything that we've heard about him? Are you sure you want to be plotting against him? Now might be a good time for a U-turn. Verse 10. Therefore, you kings, be wise. Be warned, you rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and celebrate his ruling with trembling. Kiss his son or he will be angry and your way will lead to your destruction. For his wrath can flare up in a moment. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. Rebels need to reconsider their position and it would be strongly advised that they submit to the king, to the son. Serve him. Celebrate him. Kiss him in honor. If not, judgment will come. In a moment, they'll be struck down by the king in his wrath. The Bible is clear on judgment for sin. And the judgment is done by Jesus. We've got to be as honest as the Bible is. There is grace, there is forgiveness, but only for those who come in submission to the King, to the Son. And the final line makes that point. There is blessing For those who take refuge in him, even for rebels who do a U-turn. So the call for us, it's to gladly submit to Jesus. Accept his lordship over our lives. Fighting and resisting, it it does no good. It, It doesn't work out for us. But submitting to him in a way that we wouldn't normally do actually takes us to the place of blessing. It might feel like giving up freedom, but it really becomes taking life to the full. We can do a U-turn. This psalm is the perfect spot for us, a place where we can say, Jesus, I've been rebellious. I've been trying to go my own way. I'm sorry, you are the king, please forgive me.
Well, let's pray. Lord Jesus, we see you here as the King. We know that you are the King through whom God chooses to rule the world. You are his Son. And so, Lord, if it's on our hearts that we've been rebelling and resisting the rule of Jesus, we say sorry now. Please forgive us. Please take us into your refuge. Please take us into the life of blessing. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.